eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Preseason is over. Inside Black and Gold fans, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. We've made it. Exhibition play is a wrap, and pretty soon week one will be upon us when the Saints host the Tennessee Titans. A lot to glean from the last preseason game, Jeff. And uh, luckily, overall, you know, you always talk about want to escape things without injury. And I think for the most part, the team was pretty successful at that. Yeah, there's been no major injuries, right? Like we've we've seen a, a, a fair number of soft tissue injuries, stuff like that. But, you know, the, the, the season-ending injuries were kind of kept to the fringe roster players anyway. Like a Trey Turner was here for two days and a special teams ace and Andrew Dowell and a backup running back and Eno Benjamin. So he didn't lose Andrew, any. Andrew Dowell was a stinger for sure. Yeah, but not he's not a star. No, not right? a like, huge name, right? Right, and so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into we'll get into some notes from that in this first segment, and then we'll do the three up, three down in the second and third segment as we've been doing in these post game podcasts. Obviously, we're a little behind on this one as we were last week. The night games are going to be tough. Thankfully, we don't have a lot of them because uh, man, they tire me out. I I got to sleep at like at like three a.m. last night, and I wasn't even trying to. I didn't do anything. I went home and I was just sitting there like just like coiled up like a snake. Yeah. Like the just, I don't game, it's, it's like the player. Plus you're on the field and being so close to that action. There's still that adrenaline pumping. Yeah. I'm not the type of person who can go home after like, after the whole game and fall right asleep. But yeah, so I'm, I'm a little, a little groggy. We're coming back at you. We're getting through it. It's a Monday, but yeah. So the first thing I do want to point out, and this is really nothing to do with the game. Mark Ingram, Deuce McAllister, Alvin Kamara got on the field for the who dat. They, 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 
they ramped this up. Deuce kept it a secret from us. <laughs> he didn't tell me. <laughs> I wasn't aware of it until about 15 minutes before it happened. Uh, so if you ever need to keep a secret, go tell Deuce. Um, <laughs> but I thought that was really cool. You know, yeah, I got to talk to Mark as he came off the field. I have very high hopes for him as a broadcaster. Technically, he's not retired yet. He still wants to play if he can. But really? I think he's going to be excellent as a broadcaster. I think Cam's going to be excellent too. They had a podcast together, so you, there's a lot of ex, you know evidence that they that they can do that sort of thing. But like I I never you know I always wondered what how Sean would transition to to the broadcast jobs and how Drew would transition to the broadcast jobs because I think at their core they're a little boring. Or at least Drew is. You know, I think Sean, if he wanted to stay in it, might have been able to to do it. But like Mark is just an interesting person and he's interesting to listen to. And like I, I'm I'm excited to hear him on some of these broadcasts. I think he's gonna have a long broadcast career. Yeah, with Ingram, it's like, shoot, if he's ready to suit up, the Saints depth at running back right now has taken a little bit of a hit. He might he might have been able to get some snaps yesterday. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that. But uh he still <laughs> looks good. You know, he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't lost that that Mark Ingram uh, stature. Oh, always a great talker too in the locker room. So definitely hoping and wishing the best for him. And yeah, I agree with you. I think he he's one of those guys that's easily relatable to. Uh, doesn't come off as a snooze or a bore, and folks want to hear more from him, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. Uh, props to Mark and his his trek on the broadcasting path. Yeah, the the difficult thing for for players as they get into broadcasting is you have to kind of get off of that pulling punches everywhere kind of mentality. And that's tough for some guys to do. I think that's tough for Drew to do. Like, you have to be critical of these guys who you know and you played against. And, like, you know, that can be tough for players. So I'm interested to see how he handles it. That's exactly, though, what I think makes Bobby Hebert so great. He's not pulling any punches. And I think maybe it's because he hasn't played with any of these recent guys either. I think it definitely gets easier the more the further removed you are <laughs> yes. from playing. Like, and that's why the, the first couple of years in the broadcast booth for these guys can be difficult because you have to just get used to it. And so that's going to be something to watch for Mark. Like RG3 has come, gone, gone completely over to yeah. the dark side in that regard. He'll talk anything about anybody at any time. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy it, though. Uh, yeah, he's good. He's good. Um, but all right. Let's let's go back to the game, and we're going to talk about some snap counts. We're going to talk about some decisions. The first decision was kind of odd to me, and it was that the Saints, mm. after talking about how many reps they wanted to get Trevor Penning, every rep he gets, he gets better, and the more the better, whatever. Like, I talked to Doug Marone and Pete Carmichael last week, and both of them, when I asked him about Trevor Penning, he says the more reps he gets, the better off he is. Well, you get to week three of the preseason, and he is not playing. He is not suited up, and I was surprised by that. So I asked Dennis Allen about it. This is what he said. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've seen some improvement out of him, and I think where we're at right now uh, with where he is, and then, you know, you kind of take into account that, you know, last year in the preseason, in the last preseason game, he, he, he was injured, you know. So um, I felt good about where he was at uh, and didn't want to risk putting him out there. Interesting way to start things after we just talked about not pulling punches on stuff. It's a strange answer. Um, yeah. Because there's no correlation between him getting hurt in the final preseason game last year and him getting hurt again because of the instance of game. Like, it's a very superstitious reason to not play somebody. But I like I vaguely understand it because he do just want to get to a point where he can start in a game. And if he did go out there and get hurt in this game, it would have I, it would have undermined everything, and it would have been, to me, probably a devastating way to lose another season 
if you like if, if if you after all the work he has put in this offseason and all the rehab if he were to go out there and sprain his ankle even like dudes get something someone rolls up on him and then week one you're back where you were last year i that would have been from a confidence perspective brutal for the young player so i get that at the same time i've i've always been of the philosophy that you cannot protect guys from football if they're gonna get hurt they're gonna get hurt and you never, you know, it's like it's like when you're when you're playing blackjack, and it's like, well, I'm gonna sit out this hand because I have a bad feeling about it. It's like you don't know, like you're guessing. You're like he has just as much likelihood of getting hurt in week one as he does this week. I I do think to some extent it does signal that the coaching staff is at least reasonably comfortable with where he is. Before the game, we got a text. What if he can't hack at left tackle? Will you swing a trade before week one? I was like, no, no, he's going to be your week one starter at left tackle. It's just a question of whether he can handle it. We won't know until we see it in a full game. But, you know, if they were if they were really concerned about what they expect from him in terms of not being able to handle it, he would have been out there. So um, I think that does kind of give you that indicator. Maybe his foot was a little store, sore and it was precautionary. <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering. You know, was he dinged up in practice? Right. That we didn't get that indicator. And in in Dennis's defense, you know, if this was Sean, I would say we, even if he was, he wouldn't have told us. I no. do think that if if Trevor was held out for some sort of injury precaution, he would have told us because that is something that we have established with DA is he is forthcoming on injury information. You know, he's not going to give us all of it, but he won't stand up there and lie to us. Like if, if he held somebody up for injury, he would at least give us that indicator. Like we're being very careful, whatever. Um, you know, he told us when Trevor was missed a single one day of practice with injury, he told us it was a foot thing. So he wouldn't start. I don't think he'd go back on that now, but either way, he didn't get out there and we saw a very, very struggling backup offensive line get in the game. Well, what's in there? What stinks is the fact too of penning. There's no joint practices this week. Yeah. With the, and you were going up essentially against Houston Texans starter. So what better work before the regular season than a for reals, you know, dress rehearsal against guys that are going to be starters in the NFL. Agreed. Um, Lewis Kidd ended up playing left tackle, I believe, and he played 70 snaps, the most snaps. I think that's because he shifted inside to guard at some point. But, um, you know, the, the snap counts are kind of interesting. If you want to look at the receivers, you had John Trey Kirkland playing 60 snaps, Shaq Davis playing 59, A.T. Perry playing 57. And I think... You know, I, I don't, these aren't in my three up or three down. I think you're kind of just the same. You, neither, no one really stood out in that regard. When I talked about going in, two of the points I was looking at going in was how does Shaq Davis and A.T. Perry stack up against each other, and how does Trevor Penning look? Well, Trevor Penning didn't play, and I don't think either Shaq Davis or A.T. Perry really did anything to establish themselves any more than they had already done. I did talk about how they ran that jet sweep in practice, and I was willing to bet money that we would see that jet sweep of Shaq Davis at some point in this game. We did see it. Did not work. <laughs> well, he tried at least, right? But they did do it. They did right. do it, which I was. I kept waiting for it because I was like, they wouldn't have practiced that if they weren't going to run it in this game. Shaq's probably not going to be on the roster next week. Why would they practice that if they're not going to run it out there? And they did. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it was ill-fated. Um, better at practice. Yeah, but, uh, you know, a uh, guy we can talk about for a second, you know, you talk about people, all you can do is take advantage of the opportunities you're given. I don't think Sha or John Trey Kirkland really had a, a chance to make this roster. I think he was always playing for, are you good enough to be on the practice squad and maybe have a role at some point in the future, especially 
as a special teamer. And I think he, he did that about as well as, as you could have hoped for him to do. I mean, the last couple of games, he's been one of your, I mean, he might be the top receiver for the Saints this preseason. Don't quote me on that. But I mean, t- five catches, 63 yards in this game, 10 targets. You know, there was all between Lucas Krull and John Trey Kirkland, hmm. 25 targets. 25. I mean, Jake Hayner threw the ball 38 times, which is kind of crazy considering he only played three quarters. Um, but John Trey Kirkland, I think, you know, whether it's kickoff return, punt return, you know, just being a, a weapon, the first play of the game was a screen pass, or the second play of the game was a screen pass to John Trey that worked. You know, I, for a guy who showed up midway through training camp, you know, played in the XFL last year, hasn't really been given much of a shot. I think he showed really well uh, throughout camp. Yeah, it was one of those things. It's funny when you're blowing somebody up and all week, I I know we've been talking about Shaq Davis. I was impressed coming off that Chargers game, how much more he looked to be involved in, and thriving off of it in practice. And then and eh, not so much in the preseason finale when I think a lot of people were just expect, expecting him to explode since he's trying to earn that one of those final roster spots. I know we'll get into it. We know with the three ups, three downs, some more, but a guy that I still lean towards your direction when you go with the draft pick in A.T. Perry over Shaq, and there was no separation in that at all in that preseason finale, so it kind of sticks that way. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I mean, I think you're just kind of landing where you were. Like, I, you know, I don't think there's a single decision I made in terms of kind of these depth charts roster projections that I would change. You know, the one question for me is a guy like, so I did keep a Lynn Bowden Jr. on there. That's kind of a, a you know, it's for the same reason my first roster projection had Miller Forrestall on it. It's more of a placeholder. Okay, who is that six wide receiver in terms of who is that returner going to be? It, or throughout camp, I thought, okay, Lynn Bowden is that guy. He's dealing with an injury right now. He is a veteran. You could probably bring him back regardless even if you cut him. So I think the next couple of days is going to be interesting to see how that all shapes out. I don't want to make a ton of predictions today because tomorrow they're going to be making these cuts and it's just not worth it. But, you know, I think that's going to be something to watch is there's going to be a handful of players who are either veterans who you can just kind of have a handshake agreement. It's like, okay, we're going to cut you kind of like they did with Aldrich Roses a few years ago. It's like, we're going to cut you because we need to save this roster spot for a guy we want to stash on IR. Don't go anywhere because you're a vested veteran. Like, you aren't going to be on waivers. So we're going to bring you back at the same salary we're paying you right now. All you have to do is not go sign somewhere else tomorrow, <laughs> and we will bring you back. You know, And I think there's always kind of those handshake agreements in the NFL this time of year, because you do have to get creative with roster spots, right? Like I think they're going to probably try to stash Landon Young and Ryan Connolly on IR. Well, to do that, you would have to keep them on the roster because you're not going to sign somebody and then stash them on IR. Uh, So that's, that's going to be something to watch. And I think a guy like Lynn Bowden, a guy like Daryl Williams, they're going to be interesting. I guess a positive note, and we didn't really mention, I don't think you, there was actually a Traquan Smith sighting 
Yes, he was there. It, uh, he was in the building. That's I don't huge. know. If we maybe, haven't seen him in forever, even. I don't know how huge it is. Uh, he didn't do anything. Just the fact that he's appeared. Maybe he just came, showed up to say to say bye to his teammates. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, mean, right. one, I don't one know. Raw. I took him off my roster. You know, it, I think he could be one of those guys where it's like, hey, stick around, don't go anywhere. You know, we're gonna bring you back when we when we figure out some of these numbers. Or maybe it's like, hey, go sign with the Broncos, right? Yes, uh, screw you guys. They just lost Jerry Judy. I know they're desperate over there. Yeah, it's this question of how desperate they are. Speaking of, you know, and, and you know, kind of going down, Nick Anderson got a decent amount of snaps in this game. I thought he played reasonably well. He still got the fewest defensive snaps of any active player. I think that tells you what you need to know. But I think what we saw from him, too, is what I've been trying to say all along. He's not a linebacker. <laughs> He's a box safety. Like he can't be a linebacker in the NFL. I mean, I'm sorry, he's too small. <laughs> like, uh, like but Sam Mills is, a, is is the 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 diamond example of a small linebacker. Nick Anderson's not Sam Mills, guys. I think he needs to slim down and be a coverage box safety type player, and you'll find a way. Like, be closer to Isaiah Simmons or Landon Collins. And, you know, we've seen a guy like Isaiah Simmons not be able to find a roster. When you are a tweener like that, it's difficult. But you have to find the right side of that tween. And uh, I think he, he actually did show up pretty well in coverage a couple of times, I thought. And so that's how he's going to make an NFL roster when he does, if he does. Anyway, uh, you, you getting into special teams there with the linebacker talk just made me shoot to over thinking about Zach Bond. I was surprised he was not suited up, obviously, it's, it's a great sign for him that he's made this roster. Yeah, I don't, I don't think his roster spot was ever in doubt this offseason. Uh, people talk about it. Um, no, for sure. You know. It was definitely a, a question, though, at linebacker, I feel. And maybe not for the Saints, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I think he played pretty well, actually, this offseason. I mean, in terms of you're, you're asking him to do very specific things, and he's done them reasonably well. The question to me is, okay, do you keep Jalen Smith? Because, you know, Jalen is a guy who probably profiles to be your Sam. Your backup, Sam, even. Um, how many roster spots do you have available? Is it worth it? You know, we talked about special teams. You didn't get a single special team snap uh, in either of these two games. So, DA, D, D, Dennis Allen himself said if he's going to make this roster, he's going to have to play special teams and then proceeded to not get him any special team snaps. So, I don't know. I don't know what to read into that. But he was uh, hanging out with Trevor Penning, you know, just talking to him. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but he played. He played well. You know, yeah. and Jalen Smith does the things that I think you need him to do. But if he's not on the field, what is he providing? Is he just depth? Because you're not playing him. I mean, how often do you get three linebackers on the field? Not very often. And he's not going to start over Pete Werner or DeMario. So is he just premium depth? That's a tough, I don't know. That's why I think he's got to play special teams and we haven't seen him do it. So unless they learned enough in practice and, you know, they've he's told them he's willing to do it and he'll do it in games. I don't know. But um, I thought he played pretty well. He's a he's huge. Like you see him on the field making tackles and you kind of lose perspective on just like when he's tackling a running back. I mean, he dwarfs them. He swallows them in the backfield. Uh, and, you know, in today's age of like undersized linebackers, it's it's kind of funny to see that. If anything, I'd love to keep Jalen Smith around just to teach technique on proper tackling because he seems to, like you were saying, he just swallows up dudes. Yeah, he's he's yeah. It's easy to tackle when you're that big though. Like that's <laughs> the thing. So the only other thing that I want to get into is the kicker battle. We talked to both Will Lutz and Blake Groupie. You know, Will 
Will kind of feels a little bedraggled. I don't know. Like, I think he's tired out by this whole process. Um, he's handled it reasonably well. I think he's still your kicker. Um, and I think the ball is in the, the court of the Broncos or the Titans or one of these teams that needs a kicker for them to say, hey, we want this guy. And whether that's Will or, or Blake, I think both of those are NFL kickers. Um, you know, it almost felt like that that 60 yard kick for Blake was like, all right, you want this job? Here it is. Can Make you, it. Like this, this kick is to win it, almost felt like. And, you know, you're not going to hold against a kicker a 60 yard attempt that had the distance and missed, you know, six feet to the right. But, you know, it really did feel like, it, you know, you needed to see something kind of otherworldly impressive for Blake yeah. to win that job away from a guy who has owned it for as long as he has. And a perfect preseason with a 60 yarder to his credit and a 50 yarder in the same game probably would have been that. And without it, it kind of feels like, okay, you know, we're still where we were. We knew you could make 50 yarders. Um, but if you end up in a game where you need that 60 and and can you trust him to hit it? I mean, I know, I know Will can make 60 yarders. We watched him do it. Well, it was uh, with crew, uh, groupie two. It was interesting, obviously not short, just wide, right? Oh, he had the leg, but I mean, that's kind of the deal. It's like when you're trying to kick from that far, you have to put a little bit more into it. Then your, your range finder gets a little off <laughs> and uh, you just pushed it. Yeah, Plus, like playing he, Madden football, the video game. Yeah, as I mean, it's like when you, you, you whatever pull you hit, you got to gauge it a little bit. And, you know, I, he had the distance. If that was in Denver, it would have been a 70 yard kick, right? To the right. Yeah. Um, he's kicked well. I like Blake. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him around. But it's just hard for me to see a team just I mean, they did it with Morstead. So it's not, you know, it's not something where they were complete they're unwilling to to show a veteran in the curb and bring in a, a young player. But I do think it's a little more difficult to do that at kicker because they're they generate so many points throughout a season. Whereas a punter, it's like they can be kind of hidden by the fact that there's nothing directly coming out of it in terms of scoring. Um, but yeah. You mentioned Morstead too. It really is amazing that dude's still around doing it. Yeah, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad at all if he was still the Saints punter, right? Like that's. I think that's kind of the annoying thing. Is like, yeah, you you kind of put Morstead out to pasture, but he's still one of the best punters in the league. So, did you have to? You know, economics of all the BS, and I, I know that's the big one with the Saints too. What do they want to do with? They want to go with a little bit of a younger guy. I can't say that you know Will's this old man now at twenty nine, and what's Groupie twenty four? Right. Um, right. But the, and you can the, play until you're 45 as a kicker. The salary is a, a significant difference, but I don't think they're hurting right now in, in terms of cap space. Yeah, you're not cutting will because of the because of the salary cap. Like right. that's the thing. Like you're you're not really saving enough to say, okay, it's worth keeping the young guy so we can clear a million dollars in cap space. That's that's not a good enough reason. You know, he has to be the better option. Like the the clear better option like will was when you brought him in back in what 2016 2015 and he was trying to beat out kai forbath and it was like oh yeah 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 will is the guy like clearly <laughs> we don't need kai forbath in this in this equation i don't know why, why i'm being so mean to kai forbath i always appreciate you saw him yesterday me. no that was kaimi fairbairn Oh uh, yeah, I got very I similar names though. I, I, I got I, confused. <laughs> there's a lot of K's and I's and B's and F's. Um, that that is actually funny in terms of kicker names. Those are pretty. Uh, I I always appreciate really kind of ironic names. Like there was a kicker named Blewett 
and he can play for Pitt. I don't know if you ever played in the NFL. David Akers was always funny to me. There and I and there was a baseball player. I think there's a player. I think he's on the Dodgers. His last name is Outman. We just need uh, a first baseman or some or who to get on first for the whole Abbott and Costello skit there. The out man. <laughs> he the out goes man. up there and all he does is get out. Um, anyway, so yeah, Kai Forbath. Yeah, hopefully he's a solid infielder and Kai we don't worry about his back. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so that's going to be fascinating. Like there's going to be a lot of fascinating cuts. I think we can pretty much project some of them. But, you know, how the, how the things, how things shape up with Blake Groupie. Whether he gets claimed, whether he gets traded, whether he gets cut, you know, it's going to be something to watch either way. But all right, let's wrap up this segment on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to come back and we are going to hit the three up. Then we're going to hit the three down. We're going to go through who stood out, who fell flat in this preseason game. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. This is Inside Black and Gold. Stick around.